0: Too. I mean, it's and and I should have stayed in my back. Well, the only problem, my backyard was Austin, Texas, and they're all smoking crack there. Like I would, I mean, seriously, they think that their stuff doesn't stink, and it's like the most beautiful thing, and should be you should pay one hundred fifty thousand dollars a door for it. I'm like, no, because <laughs> we were buying in Austin in like 2010, and you know, we bought it like 37 a door, and we thought 54 door was expensive. You know, (laughs) you know, we were buying. So it's very hard for me to go, oh i'm gonna pay 80 a door you're nuts you know what i mean but you know sometimes if it makes money you should just go ahead and pay 80 a door if you can get a loan but you know but you have to get over that the mindset thing and the emotional thing that drives you again that's another example of that
1: stuff right as an operator i know other investors are romanticizing multifamily investing and i'm looking to learn from other investors mistakes i know you are too and you found the right place. Welcome to Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. Ooh. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. I'm your host Jerome, and I have Amy with me today. How are things down in Texas?
0: They're good. They're good today. They're good today. It's lovely weather. It's not raining, and it's nice out. And you know, I'm driving around looking at property. So, you yeah, know, that's me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, if the listeners want to get in contact with you, what's the best way to do that?
0: Um, my I have a website called tm1properties dot com, and and uh. And then if they really want to reach out to me, they can always call me. I, I, I know I'm crazy. I'm putting out my phone number, but it's 512-688-0594.
1: I always love when folks do that. Cause if they're-
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody's amazed. Like, you're really giving out your phone number? Yeah, I'm giving out my phone number. It's cool. It's all good.
1: So... We connected on LinkedIn and you just have such an amazing story. Would you be willing to share some of that with the listeners and then we can dive oh, sure. Sure.
0: give you the cliff notes version. Um, so I started in construction. It, that's what I started originally. So I, my, my grandfather was an entrepreneur and my dad, they had, a, they had a glass company together. And so I remember riding around in the truck with my grand my dad and my granddad and, you know, doing that kind of stuff when I was little. And then uh, when I went off to school, uh, I graduated from Purdue. And then when I, gra- when I graduated, um, it was like late 1998. It was right before the boom happened. And it was kind of hard for me to find a job. I don't know why it just was 98 it was kind of difficult. And I graduated in the summer too. So that didn't help. Um, so I went to go work for my dad and, uh, doing commercial glass and doing that kind of stuff. And he wanted me to take over the business. And I went, ah, no, I don't think so. Um, so then I went and, um, I moved to Austin and I was working in tech and doing a lot of HR stuff. And then after probably, you know, in the boom, when the bust happened in 2001, right around, um, right after nine 11, I, uh, My husband at the time had started a construction company, just just barely had started it, and I was helping him on the side anyway, so he's like, well, just come work with me, and so we did, and um, I basically, we built that company into a national retail construction company. We started doing retail finish-outs all over the United States. We were about in 16 states at one point. And then we started doing multifamily and then uh, we started real estate investing about in 2008, doing flips and things like that. And then started passively investing in multifamily. And when we started passively investing in multifamily is when we started remodeling. So basically we were the passive investor, but we were also the GC on the remodel. Um, And we did that several times and then we started just remodeling for other um, owners Um, and we did that for about five years, um, just, uh, all over Texas, like, uh, Austin, San Antonio, Brian college station, that kind of market right there where we were remodeling a bunch of, um, multifamily. And then, uh, we went out on our own. We had some single family investments too. And then, uh, we were passively investing the whole time. And then, uh, we went, we sold four single families and went and bought a 40 unit. Uh, we 1031 exchanged that money. The owner financed the 40 units to us and we went and bought it on our own. And then sadly, my husband and I got divorced. And when we did that, uh, we had to basically sell all of our real estate, all of it. And, um, And then I took the proceeds of that and then I started syndicating deals. So I wanted to stay and do multifamily. So I I syndicated a portfolio of properties um, was my first syndication. And then um, I look actively at property managing and doing that kind of stuff. And I'm actually looking for other properties to buy. So that's kind of my full circle of life in construction and real estate investing.
1: <laughs> oh, put your seatbelt on. This one's going to be a wild ride.
0: Later. I know, right? Yeah, yeah. It was crazy. It was very, very crazy. So, yeah.
1: So. You left your corporate job after I did. turning your back on entrepreneurship and walking in and getting the keys from dad. And then you came back out and did it in real estate.
0: hmm Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah, it was interesting. I think I always knew I needed to be an entrepreneur. Um, you know, I I mean I made it in the corporate world for about as long as I think I could make it. <laughs> You know, I was, I've always been that person that it's not that I mean, I'm just fairly blunt, you know, and I'm just fairly a person who's right to the point. And some people get offended by that. And I'm just like, look, I, it's not personal. It's not at all. But I'm going to tell you if I think you're screwing up, sorry, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah. I'm not the, you know, I'm nice. It's not like I'm not nice, but I'm nice. But, you know, I generally get myself into trouble because my mouth gets me into trouble because I don't, you know, I say what I think. So there you go. (laughs) Uh,
1: And so you've done a lot of deals. And I imagine that every single one is one exactly as you had planned for it to go, right?
0: Oh, you know it. (laughs) No, they did not. (laughs) They did not. You You know, so one of them, one of them actually was fairly benign and we, and, you know, and the partners and I were like, what is wrong with this deal? Why is this deal working out so well? Like, it's like, and we were, you know, we kept expecting for something to blow up, but you know, we had a couple of things dealing with the cities and water issues and some other stuff, but it, but that was like nothing compared to some of the other ones. But yeah. Yeah.
1: So. Let's dive into a couple of the bigger ones because you've got one that costs quite a bit of money and then you <laughs> have another one that mm-hmm. you have to go to first. So let's talk about the little one, then do the big one.
0: Okay. So uh the little one was um so I I always there's you know, real estate real estate's a team sport. Right. So you, you understand that from, you know, cause I was a general contractor on several jobs. So I was always the person when they came to do due diligence or whatever, they were always calling me and they always appreciated my advice. Right. So when I turned the table, when I was the actual owner and not just the GC, for some reason, I just thought I could do it all on my own. You know, I, I like, you know, I, I didn't but I would go out and get some advisors in the beginning and look at the deal and let's look to do the due diligence and stuff. And let's look at all of that kind of stuff. And so when I was buying this property, when things got a little hinky, I just, instead of reaching back out to those folks and really, you know, getting their advice and kind of mulling through, okay, this is the situation I'm in or whatever. I just decided to do it all on my own. And because I was just like, I can just work harder like there's something it's not that you know the deal's going bad or maybe it's something that it's unforeseen it's my fault right there's something wrong it's it's wrong with me and so i just need to work harder and i just need to do this and i need to you know i'm not working hard enough and i just blame myself and that wasn't it wasn't necessarily my fault necessary i mean sometimes circumstances happen to you that you know they just happen to you and 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 it's probably you know Telling you, maybe you might want to go ask somebody help for help, right? You know, I think it was the biggest lesson I had to learn is is that you can't do everything on your own, and that was with that forty unit that I bought, and we were just like things were just not going well, and um and I should have reached out, you know, months and and years sooner, and tried to figure out how do I get through this and how do I get the end and had had that relationship through that whole process, not just in the beginning when you're doing your due diligence and trying to get the transaction done, but throughout the whole thing, routinely checking in with my advisors and routinely checking in with stuff. And, you know, and even when things, you know, and to this day now I I do, I do it and, but I do it with when things are going well too. Like, is there other stuff that I should be doing or is there other things we should be looking at and that kind of stuff? That was a small one. That was a small one. The big one was a lot bigger.
1: (laughs) So what was it about not wanting to ask other people for help or not wanting to, why didn't you want to actually just have the conversation? Because you'd done it before, you know? So
0: Yeah, it was dumb. It was the stupidest thing ever. I think it was a pride thing. Part of it was a little bit of a pride thing. Part of it was, um, you know, I didn't want people to know I was screwing up. You know, I, I I didn't want people to admit to people that things were going bad, you know, because you're, I was, you know, I was a part of a real estate group for a while and it was, you were kind of keeping up with the Joneses, right? Like you're in this little group and nobody want to admit, wants to admit when something's wrong. And, but it's real estate. Things go wrong. I mean, like all the time, which is why I love your show because you it's okay to say you're screwing up and things are going bad. And it's, you know, it's, it's real estate. And I've, I had been in construction for freaking 15 years. I knew things go bad. Like I had been building everything you planned for things to go wrong, but I don't know what it was about this group that I was in that is you just, you don't say it, you kind of hide it. And it and it's, if things are going bad. You just kind of don't admit it. And then you just hide it under the rug and you just, you know, it was like the dumb, it was so dumb. <laughs> it was just dumb. And I put myself in that position and I just kept, you know, trying to, you know, it's me, it's me, it's me. Everybody else else was having great success and I don't know what's wrong with me. And it really wasn't me. It was just, the market was weird. It was a pocket of where that market was that it just, I mean, I was a mile from a university, but I couldn't get any freaking students to come there. I'm like, I'm a mile away but I was on the wrong side of the tracks basically is what it was. I was truly on the wrong side of the track. I mean, there was a student housing property like half a mile away and there was this railroad track and there was my property and I couldn't rent students. I was seriously on the wrong side of the tracks. I'm like, what is it? I don't understand. But yeah.
1: Yeah. It's a real thing. Those invisible boundaries are a real thing.
0: I I know. I know. And, and so it was just, you know, it was just, it really, it it was, it was interesting. And then, you know, finally, when I started to get the help and I finally, you know, I was like, oh, I'm such an uncle. I should have done this a long time ago. And, it, you know, it was just a different take on how to market. It was a different take on how to do this. And, and it was, Hey, have you tried that? And they were very, very helpful. I mean, I just did it to myself. I don't know why it was just kind of silly, <laughs> really, truly was silly, so that was one that caused a lot of heartache and pain and didn't need to um and yeah, that was the that was the small one. the big one uh the big one. <laughs> were you ready to move on to that one, or do you have more questions about this one?
1: oh i I do have more questions, but we're gonna go to the big one because this right. is a really big one. I'm gonna spend some time here. let you enjoy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so um the big one. So I I had syndicated a deal where I was buying a portfolio of properties and they were in Corpus Christi, Texas. We went under contract in July of 2017. Well, Hurricane Harvey hit and the epicenter was at Rockport, which is just north of Corpus Christi. Um everybody remembers Hurricane Harvey for Houston, but truly it landed in Corpus like just north of Corpus. So, um, and it landed in September. So I'm still under contract. I'm like in my due diligence period and holy crap, there's a hurricane coming and it's going to, you know, and I'm talking to my investors and we're like, Oh, it's just going to be flattened. Like there's not going to be anything we're going to, you know, we're going to lose this deal. Right. So, you know, and I'm just letting them know, I was like, you know, this is my, so the the hurricane hits, but, for those people who don't know about hurricanes, I mean, I've, I grew up in Texas, you're in Carolina. you know about hurricanes, there's a good side to the hurricane and a bad side to the hurricane, right? So there's when the good side is when it's on, you know, on the bottom where, where the wind as it whips around, it kind of dies down a little bit, but on the other side, it's where you get all the force of the wind and everything. So we were technically on the good side of the hurricane. So we had some wind damage. But it wasn't as necessarily bad as Rockport, which was just just north of it. And then there was some rain, but that was later. And so as it hit Corpus, it was a bunch of wind damage. There was some rain. There was some stuff. But then it went and turned up and just sat on Houston and dumped rain. Like, that's basically what what Hurricane Harvey did. And um, so when I got to the property after Harvey kind of blew through, there wasn't necessarily... I mean, I, there. this was a big construction project to begin anyway. It was $660,000 that I was going to spend on these two small properties. That's a lot, um, but I was buying it at like less than, it was like 34 doors, something like that. It was really, really cheap. And uh, for the time, it was like half price. And so I was going to, you know, upgrade the exteriors, upgrade the interiors. So all the stuff that was damaged was stuff I was already going to, repair anyway. It was all part, all part of the construction budget anyway. So, technically, we could move forward. What he's
1: What's up, guys? It's your host, Jerome. I just want to let you know we launched Myers Methods in the fall of 2019 with the ambition to inspire a new breed of multifamily investor. If you are interested in getting into multifamily or scaling your current business, hop over to our website at MyersMethods.com to grab your free four-step guide on how to get the ball rolling in multifamily. Now let's get back to the episode.
0: But that so we get through there and I'm talking to the investors and initially everybody was like, "Oh, we'll be full, right? Because there's going to be all these contractors that are going to come down after Hurricane Harvey and they're going to need a place to stay, right? We're going to have we're going to have like, you know, we didn't get flooded out, we didn't have like major things happen, you know, we're we're good, right? So we'll be full, right? That's what's going to happen. Yeah. No, um, so <laughs> that did not happen. Actually, it stayed very flat. So we went ahead. We said, "Yeah, we're yeah, we'll be good. We'll we'll do that, and and we'll just go ahead and buy it." So we went under contract. This this is a long story, but th- there's a couple of missteps I made here. So I'll tell you the whole story. You'll be like, "Holy bucket, Amy!" So, um, the day before closing. And you know how the, the, the owner is supposed to give you a rent roll. Like this is what the rent, the rent roll is on the day of closing, right? This is, this is where you're at. Right. So I, but I can't get onto the property, take possession of the property to all the, all everything clears or whatever. So the rent roll that he gave me on the day that I took over was completely fictitious. It was, I was supposed to be at 70% at one property and 80% at the other. And it was like 40 and 50. and and, and so I went, I should have walked the property again. That's my lesson learned. I should have gone back, gone and walked through the property again, just to check to make sure everything was hunky dory and all that other stuff before closing. And I didn't, and cause I could have, I could have just said, you know, so basically I came in and I had less incoming income coming in day one, like immediately when I took over I had less income coming in my construction budget that I had previously set out with the bank. I didn't adapt or change. Lesson number two, I should have changed it after hurricane Harvey hit it. I should have bumped it up, changed it, raised more money, did some other stuff to change my PPM to do all this because I was syndicating the deal. And so I should have raised more money knowing that, oh, by the way, a hurricane just hit your property, right? You know, you might want to you might have some little cost overruns or something, didn't do that either. And, but the biggest thing was I had in my construction budget, you have like your scope of work and the bank kind of comes and that's how they divvy out the money. And so in my scope of work, I had 24, I planned on having, based on the rent roll that I had, which was completely fictitious, I had a 24 units that I was going to have to make ready, right? Oh, well I needed to make like, 60 units ready. Right. I mean, it was just the disgusting. And so I made those 24 units ready right away. But then not only do you have the, you know, the vacants that are there, but then you're going to have to, it's a, it was a C property with loser people in it. Right. So you're going to have to get rid of all the, the riffraff. Right. So now I'm down to like, I've had like 20% occupancy. I have no money to freaking turn units. And oh, by the way, you have to spend the money that you do have, you have to spend it on all these other things when you really shouldn't because, you know, you really turn units so you can get income in there. Oh my Lord, it was awful. And so I'm trying to, uh, and so I'm trying to make, you know, it, you know, like cut costs, like they have a budget for fencing and I'm trying to get it done as cheaply as possible so I can use that whatever buffer margin I have so I can go turn a unit. Oh my Lord. It was awful. And not only that, I mean, but just like the the hurricane hit, right? So the hurricane hit and then all, there was so many delays for like, you couldn't find a painter. You couldn't find a carpenter. You, I mean, they were pulling them out from rocks. I was pulling them out from miles away, trying to get all, because there was all this money coming in and they didn't want to do my little project because insurance money paid more. So they weren't going to come and fix my little apartment complex because I'm not, I'm not an insurance company. Oh Lord. It was crazy. I went through like four painters, two roofers, couple carpenters. Yeah. Cause they were just like, Oh, I got this insurance. dog, so I was going to leave in the middle of you. They gave you like a bid and a contract and they just like, nah, I'm out of here. I'm gone. And so after all the delays, uh, oh, and the material prices went through the Freaking roof. And I didn't plan for that either. So hindsight 2020, I should have walked away. And it wasn't necessarily that the properties were bad, like afterwards, it was just the economic impacts of the, of the hurricane. And then just trying to get through that large construction budget, I should have been ding, 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 red flag, Amy, this is probably going to go really, really bad. But I didn't because I was so excited to do the deal. And that's another thing is like, don't let emotion run you. You know, I was so excited to get in here and syndicate and make my name for myself. i just gotten divorced. It was like a, you know, an fu to my ex-husband. It was all of that stuff, right? I mean, that's what it was. And so I was like, damn it, I'm going to make this thing work, right? It was just stupid. All my discernment and all my like wisdom all went out the window because I'm just going to do it. You know, <laughs> it was just so silly. It was so silly, and so yeah, um, yeah. That was
1: one of my big ones. <laughs> I love it, cause nobody will talk about it. Nobody no, yeah. Wants to share that story where everything in Murphy's Law happens.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: You're, yes. You're like everybody's like a duck, right? They're mm-hmm. on the surface, nothing's happening. They're just looking calmest and then their feet are going all kinds of crazy to try to keep them in place and you're just trying to keep it together man
0: oh yeah yeah i'm with you yeah it was it was nuts it was it was crazy and, and yeah so that one took a lot longer to turn obviously and to get stabilized and all that it's finally stabilized now but it was it took a long time a lot longer than you you know originally anticipated so yeah,
1: So you're still holding it?
0: Yeah, we're still holding it. We're going to sell it here pretty soon. But, yeah, it's finally stable. But it took years. I mean, you know. And all the, you know, all the, uh, all of the preconceived notions about how long it takes and all that other stuff went out the window on this sucker. Um, but, you know, I mean, real, real estate's good. I mean, it's it's a good property now. We're going to finally, you know, we'll finally be able to get out of it and make some money and hopefully break even with all the stuff we had to put into it and sometimes that's a win like breaking even sometimes is a win you know because when you get into a bad property um you know it's just it's an interesting it's an interesting you know when i and also too is like you can't foresee like the hurricane part of it but there was supposed to be all this promising stuff coming to that market right like they had expanded the port and they had done all this stuff and there's supposed to be all these jobs and all of this stuff it just never happened like it never materialized I never felt you know so when you're looking at markets too you like you're looking for job growth and you're chasing all that stuff and economic year-over-year year, you know changes and it had that Corpus had it and so you're like oh yeah this will be a home run every assumption that you walk into like oh yeah, this was a big. This is gonna be a great deal. It's a half price. It's you know the market's growing. You know all the stuff you normally look at in a real estate deal. It Corpus had it, and so you're just thinking oh yeah, this is like a home run. <laughs> that was not a home run. Oh my lord, was that not a home run? So, so you know,
1: <laughs> the thing that I've learned over the time that I've been in real estate is like. There's a whole lot of people chasing the same deals, right? But if you can buy in your own backyard, you got a pretty good idea of what to expect, and you can avoid some of this stuff.
0: It's it, that's true too. I mean, it's and and I should have stayed in my back. Well, the only problem my backyard was Austin, Texas, and they're all smoking crack there. Like I would, I mean, seriously, they think that their stuff doesn't stink, and it's like the most beautiful thing, and should be you should pay one hundred fifty thousand dollars a door for I'm like no. Because <laughs> we were buying in Austin in like 2010. And, you know, we bought it like 37 in the door and we thought 54 door was expensive. You know, <laughs> you know, we were buying. So it's very hard for me to go oh, I'm going to pay 80 a door. You're nuts. You know what I mean? But, you know, sometimes if it makes money, you should just go ahead and pay 80 a door if you can get a loan. But, you know, we have to get over that, the mindset thing and the emotional thing that drives you again. That's another example of that stuff, right? Where it drives you in the wrong direction. If you just looked at it logically, you know, you would, it would make sense, right? If the numbers, you know, hopefully work and everything works out, you know, but yeah it's just kind of funny you know the the thing about someone told me one time real estate's easy it's just the people that are hard right and you can't you can't it is and it's very true you're dealing with buyers and all sorts of stuff and and you know and they have prejudices and biases and they all think you know whatever it is and you know yeah so it's kind of interesting, interesting. yeah
1: so Amy the last question for this <laughs> wonderful interview and by <laughs> It's been one of my favorites is what words of wisdom do you have for the listeners?
0: What do I you cut out for a sec. What did you say?
1: What words of wisdom do you have for the listeners?
0: Words of wisdom. Um I would say pick your partners carefully. Pick pick them pick them with skill sets that you need, like cause you can't do everything. And so because you can't do everything, you need to some be self-aware enough to know. Who's gonna help you, and who's who's got a skill set that you really really need, and um, that they're like you know like a duck to water in it like whatever that is that skill set that you need, and and pick them as your partner if they're a good decent person um, that won't run when it gets hard and they won't turn their you know stab you in the back because things are going bad and they know enough about real estate that you're so. Those are the people because stuff is going to happen and you want people that are there to support you, not hurt you. Because partnerships always, I mean, there's some partnerships that they just, uh, you know, they go bad and, and you don't want to be in that situation. You always want to make sure the people that you're working with are good people um, and they've got skill sets that can help you. Because then in the end of the day, if you've got partners with different skill sets in you that are, that are really beneficial, you'll have a better chance of doing well right? And that kind of thing. If you don't have, if you don't have somebody there that truly can help you is like, they've got, you know, whatever it might be, if they're like a data hound and that they love sitting there and crunching numbers and that's just not your thing, right? I mean, like that's okay. Cause your thing is to go get investors and schmooze people and look at the property and whatever that might be, but you got to have that data hound person because that's very beneficial. And I, that I'm talking from, that's me talking to myself because I can do data And I can do all that kind of stuff, but, oh, Lord, it's like pulling teeth. I can do it. I just don't want to. So I like to have somebody who just likes to do that stuff. So it's awesome, you know, know, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I think that would be my biggest – I mean, that'll get you out of more issues and help you be more successful than I think anything, truly. Is that. Beautiful,
1: beautiful. beautiful. Amy, (laughs) I appreciate all your transparency and you sharing – the ugly side of multifamily investing because there's so few people who actually are willing to tell these horror stories. So again, thank you for sharing your missteps and hopefully none of the listeners will make the same missteps you've made because you've shared.
0: Thank you uh, awesome. Great. And keep doing it because multifamily is a great business and it will make you, it will change your life. It will completely change your life. So keep doing it. Keep investing in real estate awesome
1: thanks for the pep talk we'll talk right.
0: okay take care
1: you made it to this juncture so you really love what we shared on this episode of Myers methods presents multifamily missteps do us a favor give us a five-star rating give us a review and share this with somebody who's interested in multifamily investing until the next time the pack is with you.